nosebleeds on Sunday night. I can't wait to sing till I get it right. For all the souls who left behind, the one cold thing that I can't find. Wanting to go back in time, some might say a simpler time. When people thought we'd be alright, maybe we'll go back tonight. All right, let's get to it. Welcome to another edition of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. My name is CJ Palmisano. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, thank you all so much for those of you who may be new listeners from Making Kayfabe Podcast with the interview I did with my good friends Bryce and Dylan from over there. Shout out to Bryce and Dylan. Uh, thank you to you guys who uh, may be new, who actually liked what I was doing over there. Uh, if this is your first time listening, welcome to the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Uh, strap in. Every every Friday I put out an episode, talk about AEW, WWE, uh, New Japan, uh, the, the big news in pro wrestling, and everything in between. Uh, so, yeah, here we are. Lots happened this week, man. A lot has happened. So we're going to be going through everything we can get into today. Uh, but first and foremost, I think we should talk about AEW Blood and Guts. Uh, that was a big, big talking point uh, as of today at the time of this recording. We had a lot uh, happening on that show. I say overall this episode of AEW was really, really well done, as it always is. Uh, AEW just knocked it out of the park every single week. But this show was left with a bit of controversy, uh, to say the very least. Uh, we... Overall, I mean, I, I remember reading reports saying that this was going to be more of a one-match type of show for the fans, but that didn't seem to be the case. It seemed like the fans were there the entire time. Um, I mean, you know, we, we, we had uh, John Moxley and Eddie Kingston versus, uh, versus Michael Nakazawa and uh, Kenny Omega. We had uh, uh, we had uh, that great segment with Kenny Omega and Orange Cassidy. Uh, SCU are now the number one contenders for the AEW Tag Team Titles for a match next week. We found out that Britt Baker is going to be facing uh, Hikaru Shida at Double or Nothing. Uh, Darby Allen appears to be in a feud with Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. Uh, apparently, Cody Rhodes is going to be in a feud with Anthony Agogo. And the Blood and Guts match. So we're going to go through just about everything that happened over there on AEW. We're going to go through AEW first. Um, I guess we should kind of talk about that main event that happened first. The main event, which was the Blood and Guts match. So I think overall, for the match itself, it was fantastic. I will say that the match itself was... You can't say that none of these guys didn't come in here... And just phone it in. These guys worked their asses off. You you saw every every single guy got the shit beat out of them. I mean, Dax Harwood was the first one to get busted open, and then we see fucking I believe it was Sammy Guevara who bust got busted open next. I know that Cash Wheeler did at one point. MJF did at one point. Every I think everybody bled in this match. I mean, 
hence blood and guts. Now, this was more of the traditional route of the really the, the war games match. I know they can't call uh, war games war games because WWE owned the right to the name of the match. So there was a cage on the cage was it was sealed. It wasn't like an NXT where NXT like there's an opening and then you win by pinfall or submission. Uh, no, with this you have to win by submit by uh, submission or surrender, like the old uh, War Games matches. Um, which I will say first and foremost, I am not an, an expert on the old War Games matches. I've never even seen the old War Games matches because I was not much of a WCW guy growing up as a kid. And a lot of these matches are older than I am. So, but overall, this was really, really well done. I mean, this was the match to make the pinnacle and make them an established faction in AEW. I think the inner circle definitely did not need this win because they're already been established. The pinnacle needed this win. The pinnacle needed this win to establish, again, to establish them as a top faction. Um, the shot of MJF on top of the stage, all bloodied up, uh, you know, in the Crimson Mask Hall of Fame in recent memory with him and Britt Baker and just uh, so many others. Um, a lot of people on Twitter were saying, I remember seeing, uh, uh, that MJ, uh, last night MJF became a star and I'm thinking to myself, I think MJF has already been a star for a long time. But I think as far as um, to really solidify to any maybe doubters that he was a star, I think guessing he was made, he was made uh, on Wednesday night is a fair assessment to say because I always knew MJF was going to be a big star from when I first saw him, you know, the all-in match that he had. Um, <clears throat> he just took his spot last night really he took his spot and he's like I'm gonna be here and I'm gonna be on the top for the next 25 years and he's not wrong so I mean the really cool spot I remember where Sammy takes Sean Spears on a Spanish fly after Ortiz hits Spears with a chair to help him get off of the ropes you know uh, Jericho choking Spears through the the uh, I'm forgetting the word of the thing but you know what I'm talking about uh, you know, Wardlow, Cleaning House, all these guys just beating the ever living fuck out of each other. It was, it was just, it was just really great, man. It, it it delivered on what the match was going to give you, but there were issues as far as things with television. Um, maybe they probably could have saved this for a pay per view. Maybe they could have saved this for double or nothing because as great as they were showing stuff in picture in picture for us here in the States, it really took away from stuff in the match, you know? Um, I know that people who watch AEW on Fight TV, there's a, when they go to commercial for TNT, they're still doing stuff. Commentary is still saying things. Like, you know, there's still stuff going on. Um there's still things going on there. Whereas I remember at specifically at one point they were in commercial, they were in picture and picture and then the picture and picture went away and I'm like, yo, what the fuck? And I'm, I tweeted TNT. I'm like, Hey, TNT, what the hell happened to the picture and picture? You know, 
and I it happened. There were so many ad breaks that it kind of messed up the flow of the match for me. You know, it kind of got hard to get back into it. Um, but over, but maybe they should have saved this for a pay per view. Should they have saved this for double or nothing? I'll put a poll on the Twitter at TNAWP for all you uh, for you new listeners at TNAWP. Uh, I'll put up a poll and ask: Should the blood and guts match happened at double or nothing? Because I was texting with uh, with Sean uh, Sean McChesney, my old my old co-host of this podcast, and I'm we're texting each other, each other last night, and I'm just like, man, we were supposed to be at this show. That was the show me and Sean were supposed to go to, and it it, it was it sucked that we couldn't be there, but it was just really really. It was just really fun. Um, I will get to the negatives. I mean, I've, I've been getting to the negatives I, with the, the pacing of the TV, of, of the commercials and all that. There is uh, one big thing that people were talking about where the ending outright ruined the match for them. And I'm more like... It doesn't bother me all that much, but there are reasons to not like the ending. So, if you haven't seen this match, and if you don't care about the spoilers of what happened, you've probably seen them already. At the end of the match, uh, MJF was threatening to throw Chris Jericho off of the cell, off of the cage. And... Inner circles out in the bottom, and Andrew's like going, I'll do it. I'll throw him off. And then Sammy Guevara says, No, 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 don't do it. Don't do it. We, we surrender. We surrender. Don't just, just don't do it. So Sammy Guevara surrendered on behalf of the inner circle to save Chris Jericho. Where it may have been better to kind of do something to. Whereas MJF could have done something similar to Sammy, and then Jericho does that. And tries to get revenge on Sammy, uh, and maybe have a match between MJF and and uh, Chris Jericho at Double or Nothing. I don't know, which will probably be the direction they go in at this point. Uh, but they throw Chris Jericho, MJF throws Chris Jericho off of the cell, and Jericho lands, and you could see a crash pad, visibly see a crash pad, and the boarding like kind of breaks up, and I'm just. Commentary is really selling this, but I'm just like, man, that was a really, really bad, bad camera angle. Because there's another shot where they showed in the replays from further away on the opposite side of where you saw it, on the opposite side of uh, where Jericho got thrown off by MJF, and it was in a higher position, and you couldn't really tell there was a crash pad there. You couldn't really tell. Had they used that shot, I think people would have been really, really more impressed. You know, I think because because people are comparing it to the to the botched ending of the of the exploding barbed wire death match back at Revolution, and to that I just got to say, you're out of your fucking mind. Okay, you're out of your mind. There, the ending of the blood and guts match is not as bad as the ending of the barbed wire exploding exploding barbed wire death match between Omega and Moxley. It's not that bad. Listen, I don't think this takes away from the match. I don't think this takes away from the success of what AEW tried to pull off on Wednesday. But I will say there are also fans out there who are saying things like, oh, 
why uh, back in, in in August, almost a year ago, and they're like, oh, uh, why did AEW clear Matt Hardy to to wrestle more against Sammy Guevara? That wasn't smart. He was clearly concussed, and that was a much much more dangerous fall than the one Jericho took. Then Jericho takes this big fall, and yeah, he lands on a crash pad, and you can see it's like, oh, why did they show a crash pad? Why did Jericho land on a crash pad? I'm like, the guy is 50 years old, and as great as he is in the ring, and how much he's adapted with the times, and he's stayed relevant, you don't want to fucking kill a man. I mean, make up your mind, dude. Listen, was it right that Matt Hardy uh, wrestled in that match against Sammy Guevara? No, it wasn't, and they should have called off the match, and they could have re- and they could have continued the feud on Dynamite instead of having to do it all out. But they they extended the feud to full gear anyway. But anyway, um, was it bad that Chris Jericho, when he was thrown off of the off of the cage, that you saw the crash pad? Yeah, but that's a production thing. Like I, there is one of the shots they showed in the replay. That would have been a much better shot than the other one, than the one they ended up showing in the initial fall. Had they shown this alternative angle where you see the cameras farther away and where Jericho is thrown off by MJF, and at the end of the show like that, then nobody would can be complaining would be complaining about anything right now. I'm not complaining about it because I don't want to see a fucking man die on my television screen. I don't want to see a, a legend like Chris Jericho fucking die. Is that what people want to see? You want to see Chris Jericho die? Not me. He's the GOAT. He's, he's the fucking man. He's the best. Anyway, look. Fact of the matter is, you know wrestling is fake, scripted, whatever you want to call it. So, obviously, you can't actually be having people... Get legitimately getting hurt. They were getting legitimately hurt in this match, but it's because they were planning on it. And yes, the sp- the, the spot where Jericho's being thrown off the cage was being planned, but it's still a really high uh, distance from that cage to the floor. And if they can protect one of their guys so he doesn't fucking become paralyzed, then okay. The Matt Hardy thing was a freak accident. And that never should, and he never should have wrestled the, uh, for the the rest of that night. He was con- he was concussed and clearly concussed. So it's two different things. Don't let the ending of the blood and guts match take away from how great the match was and how hard these guys worked. Every single one of these guys: Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, Santana, Ortiz, Jake Hager, MJF. Dax Harwood, Cash Wheeler, Sean Spears, and Wardlow, every single person involved worked their fucking ass off, and they deserve to be praised for that. These guys, I mean, this story's been going on with Chris Jericho and MJF since August of last year, at least, or maybe a little after before that. It's been going on for a long time, and this has been building, and this was the perfect time. Does it does it suck that you know that I couldn't see um, we we me and Sean and my buddy our buddies couldn't see the blood and guts match between the inner circle and the elite, which is what it was originally supposed to be for? Yeah, it sucks, but that doesn't mean they can't do it again, and that doesn't mean that they can't learn from their mistakes. Look, AEW's production team is very good, but obviously it just needs to. 
tweak a few things here and there. You live and you learn, people. Don't let shit like this just be like, oh, I can't stand it. AEW's fucking... Like, just don't let it do that, okay? Because Dynamite, pound for pound, every single week is the best wrestling show in the world. It is. It's the best weekly wrestling show going on today. They're always able to... Uh, Gain my interest and always, and they're always able to uh, like cook me to watch the very next week. That's what Dynamite does for me. And we'll get into a few other things that happen throughout this show. Um, I said, uh, I think maybe in the previous week's episode that, or a few weeks prior, that I think Miro could be the one to take the TNT championship off of Darby Allen. Now that he's getting this championship shot in the open challenge. And while Darby is feuding with Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky, I don't know for sure. But I would really like to see Miro become TNT champion. I, I think he's now he's doing uh, he's become a monster again. Now he's at, he's hungry for gold. So that intrigues me. And the match between Miro and Darby Allen should be really really well done. Um. Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky are a really, really good unit together. Uh, I like that Scorpio Sky is a heel. I've talked a little bit about Scorpio turning heel and him breaking away from SCU. It was time because I think SCU, Scorpio had outgrown it. It helped him become a singles guy, but he needs to be on his own or or just need something new with Ethan Page, and I'm for it. I'm for this partnership between the two of them. But maybe my favorite segment that happened is we went to uh, Tony Schiavone and he had announced with Kenny Omega that next week we will be seeing the number two uh, contender uh, pack face off against the number one contender, Orange Cassidy. Now, I remember a while ago that I think it was Hangman Page who was the Number one contender, but let me see the uh, rankings here. I, I I I'm pretty sure it was Hangman and Page, but I guess um, Orange Cassidy's number one. Um, yeah. So with that, because uh, Adam Page lost to Brian Cage, uh, the rankings here right now are that of uh, Orange Cassidy is eight and zero, Pack is five and zero. Moxley is six and one. Cage is five and one, and Adam Page is eight and one. Um. So, I get. I mean, I guess the rankings make sense and everything. Um, I see. I also saw another thing with people on Twitter just being like, "Don't have Kenny Omega face Orange Cassidy double or nothing for the world title." Why the fuck not? Listen, Orange Cassidy is not going to beat Kenny Omega for the world title. Look, the I get the gimmick of Orange Cassidy is that he's a wrestler who doesn't really care. But he's going to have like he's going to wrestle matches. He's going to be a wrestler like you know, the match between him and Pac had that they had last year was really really good. Look, First and foremost, I want Orange Cassidy versus Kenny Omega. I was texting with Sean when that was going on, and I want to see that match. I want to see Orange Cassidy versus Kenny Omega. 
Cassidy is not going to win the championship. Cassidy is a character who does who never needs to become champion ever. He never needs to win a championship. He never needs to win a championship because that's how good his character is. Listen, he's going to be a wrestler and he's going to do what he does and he's going to be Orange Cassidy. But you cannot tell me you're not at least intrigued by the poten- by the potential matchup between Kenny Omega, the AEW World Champion, versus Orange Cassidy. Come on, man. Look, I get Omega and Pac would probably be a much better match. We've seen them had bangers before. You know, the match at All Out, the match at, uh, you know, they have the 30-minute Iron Man match. And there's one other one I believe they had. Maybe. I, I'm forgetting. But the fact of the matter is, let's put Cassidy in the ring with a guy like Omega. Omega's like arguably the best wrestler in the world right now. The amount of shit that maybe, maybe Cassidy could pick, just pick Kenny's brain. I don't pick Kenny's brain, but the fact is, every wrestler, like when you talk, when different wrestlers talk about how good Kenny Omega is, like Daniel Bryan recently talked about Kenny Omega and about how he looks at wrestling differently than anybody else and he moves differently than anybody else that Kenny is a unique wrestler or is that he's a different type of wrestler and I will say for sure what can quite possibly make Kenny Omega one of the greatest of all time is just how unique he is in the ring and for those of you who have watched Kenny Omega in a wrestling match you know what I'm talking about like you watch his any of his series of matches between Kazuchika Okada and himself, you know, you watch him against Naito, you watch him against Hiroshi Tanahashi when he dropped the IWGP title to Hiroshi Tanahashi, you know, watch him, uh, you know, the Golden Lovers versus the Young Bucks, uh, Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega versus the Young Bucks Revolution, the Iron Man match we talked about with Pac earlier in the, uh, just a few minutes ago, you know, Omega has this style you know, he is really just, honestly, the best fucking wrestler in the world. I'll say it. Kenny Omega is the best wrestler in the world, in my humble opinion, okay? And I would love to see Kenny Omega versus Orange Cassidy. If Pac wins and beats Orange Cassidy, okay, we're still going to get an amazing match between Orange Ca- I'm sorry, between Pac and Kenny Omega, but Pac's not going to win the championship either. I know Pac is more believable that he could be the champion. In fact, Kenny was even putting Pac over, saying that he very well could beat him. But we've seen it before. And we all, at least I think, that I don't think Pac is going to be the guy to defeat Kenny Omega for the world title, to dethrone Kenny Omega, because I believe they're saving that for Hangman Adam Page. And I'm glad that Hangman Page lost to Brian Cage because now he's no longer the world, the number one contender. When they would say to him, hey, Adam, you're the number one contender for, for the world title. How do you feel? He would openly, not openly, but he would uh, actively dodge the questions. Because in storyline, Hangman Page doesn't want to have to face Kenny Omega. He doesn't want to have to face his former best friend, his former tag partner. So, I mean, all his friends have changed. The Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, they've all changed and gone on to different things. So, 
long story of it all, short of it all. Do I want to see Omega versus versus uh, versus Cassidy? Yes, I think it'd be an amazing match. I think it'd be awesome. I think it'd be unique, and that's something AEW does. And I think if it's anything as great as the Pack match, like you should mix it up because the Pack. Him and Pack was much a very, very much a comedy match. I know Pack is very much very serious wrestler, and Orange Cassidy is the complete opposite. But I think Orange Cassidy learned a lot from Chris Jericho to try and legitimize him more as a wrestler. So taking what he taking his com- comedic style of wrestling with what he learned from Jericho to what he can apply to with Kenny Omega, I think would be amazing. And I think that's going to be the match they're going to be doing. I think at the very least they're going to give Orange Cassidy. A title shot. I don't think Cassidy would ever be world champion. Again, just for the ca- just for the character of it. But fans love him. Kids love him. He's a high selling merchandise guy. So Orange Cassidy versus Kenny Omega, double or nothing. It's not the match that I expected to see, but it's sure as hell the match that I want to see the most. More than any other guy to face Kenny Omega at double or nothing. Because we need to milk that Adam Page versus Kenny Omega match. We need to drag it out as far as we can. We need to drag this shit out. Because fans are coming back soon, you know? You know, it was announced that a while ago, you know, the, the, the AEW show I was supposed to go to, that's coming back in September. And could we wait until a pay-per-view around that time? I think that'd be... Leading up to, to full gear or the fallout of uh, All Out or whatever. Could we do Kenny Omega versus um, versus Adam Page on TV? Could we? I don't know. I mean, it would it would be the first time the, the AEW championship has changed hands. I'm sorry. Uh, no, that would be the second time because how Omega won the title was on TV. But we'll see. Because fans coming back, it's a big thing because the news broke that Tony Khan had announced on Bust Open Radio that Double or Nothing uh, on May 31st, Memorial Day weekend, in Jacksonville and Daly's Place in Florida, they announced that they will be having full capacity. Now, this is good for many reasons because with the whole vaccine rollout, more people are getting vaccinated. Um, you know, the the governor of Florida is allowing this kind of stuff. He's allowed this kind of stuff even before the vaccines were around, from what I understand. Um, but this is good things. This is good for a lot of reasons because the normal seems to be approaching us. Um, me personally, um, I'm not so sure if this was such a great idea. Um, for a few reasons. One, uh, the recent UFC pay-per-view that happened in Jacksonville uh, a few short weeks ago. Uh, I watched it um, with a few friends of mine on Discord, and not a single fan in the arena was wearing a mask. Not a, not a single fan. Now, Dana White, uh, clearly, he didn't require it. He made them sign COVID waivers and whatever and be like, you know, fans knew the risk of them coming here, blah, 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 blah. And I read the thing there, and I understand this. I understand what he was trying to say, but the fact that you're not requiring anybody to wear a mask is very, very, very much uh, ignorant. It is. It, it really is. Um, but, I mean, I don't know as far as what happened with cases and all that. I would hope 
that they required people to either test negative or prove they're fully vaccinated. I would hope, but then again, it's Florida. They're a different animal down there. Um, and I was texting with Sean about this, and I texted him like, "Oh, dude, check it out." He's like, "Oh, awesome! This is great." And I'm like, "I don't know, man. I'm a little concerned about it." He's like, "Look, they they're gonna do this at some point, and testing the waters, and it shows that normal is coming back soon." I'm like, "Yeah." I am, but like, but look at the fans at Mania. You know, there were so many fans at WrestleMania that were actively not wearing a mask. Like, obviously, they had it on when they were coming into the arena, but they they just took it right off. And the same thing was happening at Blood and Guts just the other night. I'm texting with Sean. I'm like, this is the reason why I'm nervous about this kind of shit. But Tony Khan needs to be very, very strict with they AW needs to be strict with these COVID guidelines. And I know that. Tony Khan had said that, you know, before when the fans returned to Daly's place saying, oh, you, you know, please keep your mask on at all times. If you're leaving, keep your mask on. So what I'm going to say is, is this good? Is this good that we are going to see fans in full attendance? Because for the wrestling aspect, yes, because it, a lie, a, a, a live, actual live crowd not a partial crowd makes a wrestling sh- makes or breaks a wrestling show, and a part of that was due with WrestleMania. WrestleMania was really cool, if we having what felt like a real crowd again, and uh, AEW are the first wrestling company to have <clears throat> full capacity. I guess I don't even want to say post pandemic, but but they're the first ones to do it. So, overall, we just have to wait and see. Uh, if you look, and this is another thing too. If you want to go to uh, Double or Nothing, if you want to go down there to Jacksonville, I'm not discouraging you to do that. I'm not. I don't discourage anybody to do anything that they don't that that they want to do. You know, it's your life at this point where we've reached off. Just worry about yourself. Do what you would like to do, and then take it from there. You want to go to Jacksonville? By all means, go have fun, have a fucking blast because Double or Nothing will be a great show. It will be. Um, it's just concerning with what could happen, you know. But hey, I'm not going. I don't live in Florida, so all, all the more power to people who are going to do it. And AEW are very strict with the with the with the guidelines to begin with. I just hope they are keeping up with being strict. That's all I hope for, and then. Nobody gets sick, and nothing happens to anybody. Anyway, moving on. We talked a lot about AEW uh, for the big, big portion of this podcast. Um, I guess we'll get into a little bit of what happened, what else happened this week. Um, so, I guess the other really big story to talk about is that Daniel Bryan has let his WWE contract expire. According to Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful, uh, his contract was set to expire either the week of or the week after uh, he had had his match on SmackDown for the Universal title against Roman Reigns, which that match was amazing, and Roman finally got new theme music, thank God. Um, uh, That was really fun. Brian and Roman just have such amazing chemistry together with Brian as the babyface and Roman as the heel. Um I love that match. It was really, really well done. Um, but 
Brian appears to, at this moment, be done with the WWE. So, it was also followed up by PW Insider, I believe, and Dave Meltzer, Wrestling Observer, that Brian has let his contract expire. A lot of talent were surprised about this, and they didn't necessarily see it coming. Um, it... It is shocking, really, because I didn't expect Brian's contract to expire. Um, he has said that he's, you know, wrestling hasn't felt the same for him. Wrestling hasn't been what he kind of wanted it to be. Or what? It's not what he knew, or it's not, he's not in it with how he loved it once before, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um we don't know what will happen with Daniel Bryan. A lot of things can happen. Um, let's just get the craziness out of the way and say that I don't think he's going to New Japan. I don't think he's going to AEW. Um, even though they will probably try hard to get Bryan, uh, WWE is also pursuing really, really hard for Bryan to sign a new deal. Because remember... If your contract expires in WWE as a wrestler, you do not have to abide to a 90-day no-compete clause. You only have that unless you yourself were released or you asked for your release. And the only uh, special occasion in that is if you somehow didn't have the 90-day no-compete clause in your contract once you, once you asked for your release. It's the same thing with John Moxley, uh, formerly Dean Ambrose. Ambrose let his contract expire. And then after he was done with WWE, he went to w- he went to AEW, showed up at the end of Double or Nothing, and uh, hit a paradigm shift to both Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega. And the rest is history, as you know. So theoretically, Daniel Bryan could show up in AEW if he wanted to. But I don't think that's the case. What I see happening here is I see Brian taking a long time off. I see Brian taking time to heal up. He says that he wants to be around for his kids. Uh, you know, him and his wife had a baby boy last year. Uh, he wants to um, he wants to be able to be around them and not feel tired at all the time. He says when his daughter is up on his, uh, sitting on his, on his shoulders and neck, it hurts his neck. So maybe he just wants to heal up, man. Maybe he just deserves a rest. The guy works fucking hard. The guy is one of the best wrestlers in the world. He, he deserves a break. Look, remember another thing. Brock Lesnar's contract expired last year. It expired last year and he hasn't resigned a deal. Technically, Brock Lesnar is a free agent, but do you really expect Brock Lesnar to show up in New Japan or AEW? There's no fucking way. Vince McMahon would never allow it because he'll just throw all the money in the world at Brock. Brian's a different kind of guy, though. Brian won't just do it for the money. He does it for the wrestling. But I truly believe that Brian isn't going to leave WWE just yet. I don't think that's going to happen. He has said in the past that he wants to like eventually have like a CML, CMLL hair versus hair match, which is crazy to think about, honestly. But I wouldn't put it past Daniel Bryan. Overall, though, Bryan 
Brian should have some time off, man. I think this is going to transition to him into being a part-time wrestler because he has said how he wanted to be like like a scouting agent for WWE for in for indie talent. And WWE would want to keep Brian held down to a contract so he wouldn't go anywhere else, as selfish as that may be. But I think if you had Daniel Bryan like training guys or if you had him as a as a backstage producer or something, the stuff younger talent could learn from Daniel Bryan is incredible. Like, I think Bryan should have a last hurrah of all these matches that he could possibly have one day. You know, because there was a thing that brought, uh, Meltzer speculated that he could go to NXT or Raw, but NXT would be more fun. You know, I, I was thinking, you know, I want to see Daniel Bryan versus Kyle O'Reilly, uh, Daniel Bryan versus um, Pete Dunne or Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa, where Johnny Gargano, even himself, after SmackDown was over, tweeted a picture of him and Bryan on the Indies being like, it's been a while. So teasing himself that he could go to NXT. Which would be awesome. But as of right now, I don't think we're going to see Brian on our TV screens for a long time. I think he's probably going to finish up majority of the... He's probably going to have majority of 2021 at home with his wife, with his kids, and just enjoy life, you know? Just try and be a normal dude, which is kind of what he is. He's He loves wrestling, but he loves being a normal guy. Um... That's what I think. And I think Daniel Bryan absolutely deserves to stick around and stay at home, man. Just take it easy. Um, getting into some of the other things that happened this week. Uh, it happened again with Charlotte Flair. She is in a championship match. Again. WrestleMania Backlash. It'll be Charlotte versus... Versus uh, Rhea Ripley, the defending champion, versus Asuka. Now, a lot of you can argue this is Charlotte sticking her ugly nose in this business again. But at the same time, it does make things a little more interesting. It does make things a little more interesting as far as, you know, the match quality. Uh, But it very well could mean that Charlotte's going to be winning the championship uh, at... At WrestleMania Backlash, uh, we'll go th- uh, some other things that happened on that Raw. Uh, Eva Marie has returned, so Eva Marie is now back on Monday Night Raw. She's with the company again. It was reported that she was signed to the company months and months ago, but now she is uh, officially back on Raw. But I see a lot of people, again, Twitter, you, the fucking cesspool that is Twitter. Twitter saying that you get rid of Mickey James, the Iconics, Samoa Joe for Eva Marie. Get your fucking facts straight. Eva Marie has been signed with the company since t- sometime last year. They just apparently waited this whole time to figure out when they want to when they wanted to debut her. Uh, 
Now, I'm not the biggest fan of Eva Marie. I wasn't the biggest fan of her when she was in the WWE in the first place. Uh, because of how they tried to present her and how they tried to legitimize her as a, as a good wrestler. But she was horrible. She was horrible. My God. But they were starting to do something right with her towards the tail end of her WWE run. She was finding excuses not to wrestle. And she was finding excuses like, you know, and active and they were playing up with the fact that she's not that good of a wrestler. And I'm thinking, wow, that's actually a really smart idea. This is back when SmackDown was like the best show on on WWE had, and it, it is again, but but um but it that was a really smart booking decision. You know, play up to that, you know. They're her weaknesses, but make them her strength. Her strengths, and, and that's what they were doing. Um, but now I don't know what they're going to be doing with Eve Marie. They just showed like a vignette for her, and I think that could they do that again? Maybe, maybe she's improved over the past however many four or five years since she's been gone. Who knows? But I will wait and see what happens with Eve Marie. Uh, I'm not going to be overly critical when it comes to this right away because it could be really good. But then again, it could be really bad as well. Uh, but yeah, we, we will see. Uh, Shelton Benjamin and uh, Cedric Alexander are apparently broken up now. Why? I, your guess is as good as mine. You know, Benjamin and Alexander went from being in the Hurt Business to the most awesome faction in WWE at the moment to being kicked out to losing to jobbers like the Lucha House Party. Uh, and Cedric saying that Shelton's the weak link and that he's in his prime of his career and he's done teaming with him. And Shelton Benjamin says that he was the only person that saw potential in Cedric and the reason why he joined the Hurst Business in the first place. Uh, and Shelton doesn't want to team with him any, anymore, so be it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, but another really, really Stupid thing is, so Angel Garza has a match with uh, Drew Gulak, and oh my god! Uh, so Angel Garza likes taking a rose with him to the ring. He takes a rose, puts the rose inside of Drew Gulak's trunks after the match, like by his ass. And kicks him in the ass with the rose in there. What the fuck is that? What is that? See, this is the shit that's really, really stupid about Monday Night Raw. This is the shit that fucking bugs me. It makes me question why I'm still a wrestling fan. It makes me question why I'm still, like, you know, keeping up with this shit. You know, the only positive seems to be Matt Riddle and Randy Orton and rated uh, rated RKO, uh, RK Bro, where they beat Elias and Jackson Riker. Um, I, I do like the thing that Sheamus has going on right now. He's kind of doing like the anti-open challenge where people come to him for the open challenge, and he's just like, nah, you ain't worth it, fella. You're not getting my title shot. Um... He had a, apparently Mansoor has now debuted on the main roster. Sheamus attacked Alberto Carrillo earlier in the night, and that caused the DQ for Mansoor. And Sheamus attacked uh, Carrillo and Mansoor with a bro kick. Um, 
So I'm liking the stuff Sheamus is doing at the moment. You know, give him a semi-decent run, uh, dominant, uh, dominant, decent, whatever run, because uh, he is in his early 40s or mid 40s. So he doesn't have a whole lot of time left. I would, I would think Sheamus is on his last number of years in the company. Um, Alexa Bliss uh, saying that her Lily's favorite cover is red, and that a certain someone has caught Lily's eye. Uh, that's I'm. <laughs> that would assume that she's feuding with Eva Marie. Oh Christ! Uh, I'm not gonna even get into that one. Um. So overall, Raw still is not that good. Raw is 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 still dog shit to be honest. It's still really really bad. But um, w- one thing, and. This is an example of WWE not knowing what the fuck to do with anybody. So, you guys know a certain wrestler named Jeff Hardy? You know, the Jeff Hardy of the Hardy Boy, the Jeff Hardy of uh, the the high-flying daredevil of the 90s and the mid-2000s. The Jeff Hardy who beat Triple H and and Edge in the same night to become WWE champion on my birthday, by the way, that year. Um, the same Jeff Hardy who returned with his brother Matt at WrestleMania 33 to the loudest pop I've ever heard and genuinely my favorite WrestleMania moment ever because the Hardys are my favorite tag team ever, the greatest tag team of all time. I will fight you on that. You know he's relegated to main event. You know, he put over Jinder Mahal, which is not nothing wrong with putting over Jinder Mahal. And uh, apparently the guys in Indushare, well, one of the guys in Indushare and the guy replacing him in Indushare, I, they were a tag team NXT. They didn't do much. Jeff Hardy put over Jinder Mahal on main event. You throw people you don't give a fuck about on main event if you are WWE. Ricochet, Mustafali. Sorry about that. Jinder Mahal, Jeff Hardy. I remember one episode, however many months ago, Jeff Hardy was facing Ricochet on the main event of main event. <laughs> That's a fucking dream match. Jeff Hardy versus Ricochet, and you have it on main event. That is a pay-per-view quality match that you could have, and you have it on a fucking show nobody watches. And way to put over Jinder and making him this new character. You put him on fucking main event. Like, we all know main event is a show where nobody gives a shit about. And you clearly don't give a, give a, give, give a shred of a shit or a shred of a fuck Enough to me even make this happen on Raw. Look, I'd probably be mad if this happened on Raw. I I, I probably would, but at least what at least I would have been. Well, you know, Jeff has done a lot in his career, and you know, Jinder is you know obviously the younger guy. And he needs to be put over. And I'm not disputing that fact, but the but the fact of the matter is is that Jeff Hardy is Jeff fucking Hardy. He can still do a lot for your company. He can still do a lot. I really hope he can get out of this fucking contract that he signed because he needs to get his ass over to AEW. The Hardys need to get back together. They need to do a fucking 
uh, swan song of tag team matches with guys against Private Party, Young Bucks, FTR, uh, Jurassic Express, SCU, Hollywood, uh, uh, sorry, Varsity Blondes, you know, the acclaimed. Jeff Hardy needs to get the fuck out of WWE and over to AEW because this kind of shit pisses me off. It really does because... You brought the Hardys back to this amazing pop, and you didn't know what the fuck to do with them. I get, you know, they they feuded with the bar, and they put the bar over, and that's and that was great for Sheamus and Cesaro. But now you don't know what the fuck you're doing with this guy. Matt Hardy is leaps and bounds like a better wrestler and character, kayfabe wise, than Jeff Hardy. And granted, I I, don't, I think Matt Hardy could be doing a lot better work in AEW at the moment. But he's doing much better work than his brother right now. Matt Hardy even put a thing out. You know, we started our careers together. Would you like us? To, would you like to see us end them together? Yes. Get your brother to AEW. Get the fucking broken Hardys. Get brother Nero over on AEW, man. We need this shit. Because Jeff Hardy deserves more than this, dude. Jeff Hardy is a fucking legend. He deserves to go out in a in a blaze of glory. He's he's amazing, and I I don't think that he should be the one to kind of like. I'm not saying he should beat everybody, but he should be booked better, man. There's so many guys in WWE who are booked like shit, and I had to devote some time to Jeff Hardy because this just really shocks me, dude. Fucking hell. But I will get into a few things that happened with NXT uh, to wrap things up with the podcast. I will talk about the little segment between William Regal, Johnny Organo, this whole Karrion Cross, this whole thing. Uh, Regal tells Theory that he will face Cross next week, and Johnny Gargano will defend his NXT North American title against Bronson Reed. Um, this whole thing comes out where Cross is saying that he is the best. No one can top him. He's at the top of the mountain. Out comes Kyle O'Reilly. Out comes Pete Dunne, Finn Balor. Uh, Kyle wanting, a, Kyle Riley wanting a shot. Pete Dunne saying, "I don't give a fuck what anybody thinks about me. I'm Pete Dunne. I'll come in this ring. I don't care what the fans think. I'm coming in here to hurt you." Finn Balor comes out and then he just clocks uh, Karrion Cross, even though Cross makes quick way of him. Everybody, uh, people come out, security. They break up the fight, and then out comes Johnny Gargano and Austin Theory, and they both super kick Karrion Cross. Now that is very interesting. Very interesting. I would love to see Gargano versus Karrion Cross, because uh, I was not expecting that at all. Um, could we see a title for title match? Maybe. I don't think so. I don't think it needs to happen. I mean, we've already done that last year. I don't think we want to make a a repeating habit of that. But Johnny Gargano versus Karrion Cross would be really, really, really good. <laughs> really good. Um, I, I think, I think that maybe, uh, I don't know what babyface could take the title off a cross. I mean, you'd want a babyface to take the title off a cross, but I don't, I don't think Balor's going to be next. I, I mean, Pete Dunne would be really interesting. I think he's kind of more of a tweener type if it's him versus cross Kyle O'Reilly. I feel like Kyle O'Reilly will be NXT champion. If Adam Cole is NXT champion and he beats Adam Cole, I just that's what I personally think. But yeah, uh, Gargano versus Cross, give me that shit, man, give me that shit. And we have uh, new NXT Women's Tag Team Champions in the other two members of the way, the females of the way, K 
Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell are the new NXT Women's Tag Team Champions. They beat Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart in a street fight, which I heard the match was great. I apologize. I did not get to see it. I will have to rewatch it another time. But I heard it was a lot of fun. Uh, Indy Hartwell, I heard... Well, actually, I did see the one thing. She did do like a springboard uh, elbow drop to Ember Moon on the outside of the of the ring. Uh, that was really, really cool. Um... I, I'm extremely happy about this because if for those of you who have listened on my podcast for a while, and for those new those of you who have joined who are new here, um, my favorite female wrestler in all of WWE is Candice LeRae. I love love Candice LeRae, and the other big uh, wrestler that I have a huge huge who I love in WWE is Drew McIntyre. Those like two of my all-time favorites currently in the company. Um, but Candice and Indy, I'm really happy about this. Now the way have two of the titles. Uh, Candice and Indy are champions. Uh, Johnny is the North American champion. Um, it's long overdue for Candice LeRae, man. It's long overdue for Candice LeRae because she is legitimately one of the best women's wrestlers in the world, you could put her up there as best wrestler, as best women's wrestler in the world. She's just so goddamn good. I love this whole faction. I love the way some people may not be crazy about them, but I love the way because you you have Candice teaching, uh, mentoring Indy Hartwell. Theory is mentoring. Uh, 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 sorry, Gargano is uh, mentoring Austin Theory. Um, I think it just it it's good, uh, and I like the whole Dexter Loomis thing with Indy Hartwell as well. Some people don't like that. I do. I think it's I think it's a really good story being told, you know. Um, so, Candice Ray, Indy Hartwell, are you new NXT Women's Tag Team Champions? Uh, how long they hold the belts for? I don't know because I still want to see Candice be Women's Champion. I still want to see her hold that title. I would love to see Candice hold women's, the women's championship. I guess it's kind of like, well, we've given her a bunch of shots at the women's championship, and she hasn't won them yet. So here you go, Candice. Anyway, well deserved. Well, well fucking deserved. Just want to get that in really, really quickly. Uh, I think we'll wrap it up here, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for all of you new listeners uh, who may have come over here from the Making Kayfabe podcast. I want to thank Bryce and Dylan again for having me over there. Uh, Making Kayfabe, I plugged those guys before uh, over on uh, you know all the podcast apps. Spotify, Apple, uh, you know, wherever you could find them. YouTube, I believe. They're, Bryce and Dylan are two guys who rebook wrestling storylines, and they're genuinely two good friends of mine uh, who I wish nothing but big success for the both of you guys. Um, if you have come from that podcast, from the interview I did with them uh, this past Tuesday at the time of this recording, I really, really appreciate you coming over here. I, uh, you know, It shows that you actually liked me and you actually liked what I may have to offer. Well, this is what I had to offer. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you come back for more. 
Um, I also have another podcast if you're a Marvel Star Wars nerd called Fan Speculation. Um, me and my buddy Vinny Carini, we have been we past few episodes we've covered the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Episode one we talked about WandaVision and uh, the speculation of where we think Spider-Man: Far From Home will be. Uh, we currently are been on a week hiatus. Next week will be coming out. Uh, we put those episodes out every Thursday. Apple, Spotify, uh, we're on Instagram at Fan Speculation underscore Pod. Uh, and I also have a band called Hollow Heroes on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube. Look up Hollow Heroes. We currently have a few songs up on Spotify called Alone and Death is Expensive. We have a music video up for Alone on YouTube. We have more songs coming out in the very near future. Thank you so much. And last but not least, obviously I have to plug this podcast. Almost there. Almost there. Hang on. Um, at TNW, at TNA. WP on Twitter, the Not Another Wrestling Podcast on Instagram, the Not Another Wrestling Podcast on Facebook. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, wherever you can find your fine podcast apps, your favorite podcast app. Just go ahead and download it right then and there. Uh, if you want to follow me personally, I am CJ underscore 1214 on Twitter and CJ underscore 1293 on Instagram. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Remember, we're going to be putting up polls on the Twitter, TNA at TNAWP. Did you think the ending of the Blood and Guts match was bad? Did you like the Blood and Guts match? Um, are you excited for WrestleMania Backlash? I know I'm not. Um, just a few things I'm going to be putting up there. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. I have been CJ Palmasano. Thank you all so much. We'll see you next time.